Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, this is Mark, and I want to welcome you to a very special edition of the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today is day five, 5th of January, 2017, and it's going to be part five of the Authority Hacker New Year Starter Series. This is a series of seven podcasts, one every day, and we're going to be taking you through everything you need to know to get your profitable authority site up and running. You can find the show notes, links, and other resources at authorityhacker.com forward slash starter. Today's podcast is all about how to do affiliate marketing on your authority site. We'll be looking at several monetization methods first, and we'll tell you why exactly we recommend starting with affiliate marketing. Plus, we'll go on to give you a step-by-step methodology for how you can get started with that today. But just before we start, I want to invite you guys to join us for a free training webinar. We're doing one on Sunday and also on Monday. You can check out the time, sign up for it at authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar. It's totally free. And we're going to be looking at how Perrin turned $2,000 into an authority site, which is now worth over $200,000. So if you want to make some money or learn how Perrin did it, be sure to join us. There'll be a bunch of awesome tips there. It's brand new. None of this material has been used before. So there's definitely something to to learn there. So head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar and you can sign up. But now let's get started with today's episode. So guys, welcome back. How are you guys doing today? Amazing. Pretty good. How about you? Good. (laughs) Fantastic. I've never, never been better. I want to get straight into it. I want to start with you today, Perrin. What is affiliate marketing? Sure, yeah. So affiliate marketing is basically a process that has been going on in the business world for a long time, only it occurs online. So in the business world, since forever you could refer somebody to a business or make a sale and either get a commission or get some sort of kickback, that's been going on forever. Affiliate marketing is just doing that on a website. The way it usually works is a company will have some sort of affiliate program and they'll make agreements with publishers, which is you, the owner of the website. They'll give you a link. And then if your readers click on that link, you can get that kickback or that referral bonus. And the way that usually works is that someone will click on the link. That company will set a certain time period. Maybe it's 30 days for Amazon, which is the program we usually recommend for stage one sites. It's only 24 hours, but it's kind of okay because Amazon is good at making people buy stuff. And then for that 24 hours, you get a commission on uh, the stuff they buy. Yeah, and it's interesting with Amazon because it's not just the product you directly recommend, but it's like any product that they buy on Amazon. So that's why uh, we do quite well off of that. And yeah, usually about like sixty to eighty percent of the stuff that we get paid for is not the product we're willing to. So that really helps actually. That makes it yeah easier, especially it, for newbies, you know. And it is an anomaly. Most programs don't do that. In Amazon, it's certainly one of the benefits, and it makes up for this uh, shorter window you have to sell something. And it also makes holidays really good most of the time for Amazon affiliates. So pros and cons to each. But for Amazon sites, you do get commission on everything that that customer buys. So uh, for us, it'll be like, you know, someone buys a juicer, but then also TV or whatever. 
Yeah, so I mean, affiliate marketing is one of many different ways you can monetize your your site, but we recommend that it's the method people start with. Do you guys want to like cover what are the other options briefly and then why we're specifically today recommending people start yeah. Yeah. on their Sage One authority sites? I'll do Maybe it. Maybe I can. Sp- no. Okay. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, uh, I've really, I'm kind of new at some of these other ones. So I think. I was going to maybe at least tackle the ad, the advertising, the display advertising one, because that's something I've just okay. recently started having success with, and I've failed quite a few times too. But one of the ways I think people think about monetizing first, like if you said, hey, you have a website, how are you going to make money? Most laymen would be like, well, I'm going to put some ads on it, right? And that really is a good solution for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So first of all, it's reliable. So All you have to do is sign up for an ad network like AdSense, which is extremely easy to do. You put some code on your site and then the money basically trickles in at a fairly constant rate as long as your traffic stays the same, right? So it's ultra reliable and that's really, really nice. However, the major downside with advertising that I don't think a lot of people realize, I certainly didn't realize it and it's very important for somebody who's starting a new site because it's hard is that you need lots and lots of traffic to make advertising work from a business perspective. The way that we usually like to talk about revenue for websites is RPM, which is revenue per thousand people who visit your sites. For something like affiliate marketing, it can be for Amazon, it's usually for most people between 30 and like $60 per thousand visitors, which is very good. For ads, it can be like five bucks, right? So Ads are good for a lot of reasons. We do recommend them. We don't talk about them for stage one sites. But as far as how it compares to affiliate marketing, to make the same amount of money, it's certainly a lot harder with ads. Yeah, I mean, I just want to temper what you said a little bit. With $30 to $60 with the Amazon FA program, with the right kind of content, with the right kind of traffic, right? Um, And only for those articles, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to say that because otherwise we're going to have people that, you know, start buying Facebook ads to people that are not interested (laughs) in that stuff. And they're going to tell us what the hell, what are you guys talking about? So no, you need, you know, for us, it is search traffic. Usually people searching for that kind of product and that have expressed interest and so on. And then that's how we reach that kind of money. Now, advertising is one other way other than a firm marketing to make money. And the other way is essentially selling your own product. So, you know, when we talk about that stuff, a lot of people think e-commerce store and they're like, what does it have to do with an authority site? It doesn't necessarily have to be an e-commerce store. You could be selling information products or you could be selling, uh, you know, even services like your time or something. And that is one way to make money. And usually that is the highest RPM for a site. I mean, when we make sales, let's say, you know, the, the RPM for a sales page on health emission authority hacker is way over a hundred dollars per thousand, sometimes over a thousand dollars in the case of authority hacker per thousand visits. So it's very high. But the problem is it, it's so much more work. I mean, you actually need to deliver something. When you do ads, you just put your code on your site and everything takes care of itself. When you do affiliate marketing, you know, there's a little bit more work. You kind of need to match the content and the offer. And so you make a little bit more money. But when you do the product, you literally need to process payments. You need to do customer service. You need to actually deliver whatever the product is. If it is based on your time, then it's going to take your time. So sure, the revenue is high, but also you need to look at your revenue per hour as well. That's another way to look at things. 
And so it is. I think as well, if you're uh, if you're talking about actually building a product, whether it's a physical product or an info product, like an ebook or a course or something, there's a huge upfront time investment. So you know, most people would spend weeks, usually months, building out these things. They need to develop and test sales pages, funnels, all this sort of stuff as well, which. If you're a new site starting out, it's just going to detract a huge amount of time from the core, you know, getting your site up, getting traffic rolling, like the the core things that you need to to be working on. And so I think with affiliate marketing, having those pre-built sales funnels, which other people have have used for years and hopefully tested and improved is is a huge win there. So that's uh, that's why it's like the the yeah. most obvious. It often step. costs a lot of money as well up front when you want to do your own site. So you know most people don't even have the finances to do that. So I guess that's why we like affiliate marketing, right? It essentially, but, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say there are some negatives of affiliate marketing, though. I mean, it's it's kind of like with all these, it's a rock paper scissors. There's not one that's the best, but there's quite a few negative points of affiliate marketing that we can go yeah. through. I think. I also want to reiterate something that we talked about in, I think, our first podcast, which is what is an authority site. But you don't have to necessarily pick one of these. They can all work together. What we're getting at here is that affiliate marketing is a good place to start for stage one sites. Yeah, it is because, you know, you don't have to have this upfront time investment. At the same time, you know, when you start a website, you don't have a lot of traffic. So advertising is hard to make. It's hard to make it work at the beginning, especially with the sandbox effect on Google. If you want to make advertising work from the beginning, you really need a site that does well on social media. Usually it is possible. And some people do that, but that's a pretty different model than what we're going for. And since we're aiming for that long-term SEO traffic, you might as well build it from the beginning. And the early way, like the easy early way to monetize SEO traffic properly, even if you don't have a lot of it, is affiliate marketing, essentially. So it's really that middle thing that can make good money, can make thousands of dollars per month after a couple of months. I was talking to like uh, Pro guys that literally started like a site like a couple of weeks ago. And I checked their site out and they already like in the couple, first couple of weeks, they already, they were already at like $150 a month. And I have no doubt they're going to be at a couple thousand dollars a month at like the six months mark or eight months mark, which is really good. It's not always the case that people go so fast, but like it was, it was cool to see. And, and that is all through affiliate marketing. So I think that's essentially that's why we like it. But do you guys want to talk about the cons of affiliate marketing so people don't get too excited? So as I said, it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors. One beats the other, but it loses in another way kind of thing. So you lose a lot of control with affiliate marketing. You, most of the time, at least, you can't establish this buyer list. You can't own the funnel. You can't control quality, which can be a real issue in uh, in certain niches. You can't upsell. You can't cross-sell. You, you can't do a lot of the sort of I think we need to explain all these things because a lot of people don't know what they are. Okay, but I I don't actually think it's necessary to explain them because I think most of them are kind of these like flashy techniques that come much further down the line. And really, you just don't don't need to worry about it for now. And just really, I think, trust what we say that affiliate marketing is is where you should start with and then possibly get into ads as your traffic starts starts growing. And then only later would you would you be looking to uh, create your own products? Yeah, for sure. I think maybe one con I would add to this list, too, is that you are often sort of at the whim of the product creator and or the people who run the program. So with Amazon, what that usually looks like is being at risk of being banned for not following the rules. 
with other products, people might just cancel them or they might go off the market and you can have a pretty significant revenue source just disappear. And I think when you're building a stage one site, that's probably the biggest risk in affiliate marketing is having that revenue disappear because of something somebody else decides. Yeah, I mean, that is, yeah, for any kind of affiliate marketing, that's how it works. If you rely on someone else, essentially what happens is you take that traffic you have, you send them to, to the product owner, and then you just pray it converts. And then the product owner also has the, essentially they all, they have all the power here. So they can just say, Hey, I don't want your traffic anymore, or I'm going to divide your commission by two or whatever it is. And there's really not much you can do about it. And that's why we don't recommend people stay as a stage one authority site. Some people do, but that is definitely a huge risk for these people. And that's why we like to do what we call stacking business models. So we like to go into ads eventually when traffic grows bigger. We like to get into own products once we have proven that there is a demand for a product. And usually that's what I like to do. It's like I like to use affiliate marketing to throw a lot of stuff at the wall. So let's say we have a site, let's go to the paintball stuff again, right? And like we have a site that reviews a bunch of paintball guns, etc. And we get a good idea through being an affiliate, through the reports we get of what kind of stuff sells more, right? Do people buy more guns or do they buy more protection gear or do they buy whatever? And then once you figure out what sells most, wait, the first step is to get in touch with the product owner and negotiate better commissions. So usually the commissions you have as an affiliate at the beginning, they're good, but they can be better. And it's not often just asking. We'll get you a bump of like 20, 30% commission just for asking, just for getting in touch and just for being someone that has been sending sales in the past weeks, months, years. Once you have that, you know, obviously focus on growing your traffic, maximize that as much as you can to the point where you're selling a lot of a couple of products. So let's say like paintball protection masks, right? Imagine that you get to a point where you sell 20 a day. It's possible, right? Well, at that point, that's when you actually look at basically building your own product. Imagine you are, you have this page on your site that's like the best paintball masks and you sell 20 of the number one per day. Then that's when you're like, okay, why is that mask so good? Can I create or can I source a similar product online? Can I work with a manufacturer and, you know, order 500? I know they're going to go quick because I sell 20 a day. And then that's when you, you essentially go from, you know, maybe you jumped, you got a direct deal with the, the builder or the, the product owner and you got a 15% commission or 20% commission. And that's when you jump to like 40% and being a product owner and being able to get affiliates to promote your product in turn so that you swap the table and you become the product owner. So, you know, affiliate marketing is not just something that's going to make you money today. It's also something that allows you to test the water without, while being paid essentially, which is really cool. And you can focus on building your audience and traffic while being paid less than if you own the product. But, you know, if you own the product and you have no traffic, you also don't get paid at all. So that's why I like it, essentially. Yeah, and again, there's no kind of upfront or almost never any upfront cost to affiliate marketing as well. So there's not not really any risk when you're getting started. But speaking of getting started, assuming someone's listening and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready to get started. I mean, this is a, a big topic. Like, how would you structure getting into this? Like, what what's the approach here? Do you want to do it, Perrin, or should I do it? Yeah, sure. So 
I think there are a couple ways to do it, and it really depends on what site you're trying to build. So if you go research affiliate marketing, you're probably going to find people who are starting with a specific product they want to promote because they know it converts really well. These people are looking at places like Odiger and ClickBank and seeing the best products out there, the people who have the best funnels that are paying the most, that sort of thing. And they're trying to either do reviews and promote those reviews or build content around that problem and then promote that product. For Amazon, it tends to be a little bit different because you can go into whole niches and then find ways to promote a wide range of products. So for example, uh, or paintball is like an easy example, but one of the, or I'm sorry, a uh, narrow example, which by the way, could still be a good niche. But one of the examples we used a few days ago was like the outdoors niche. So in the outdoors niche, clearly there are just like lots of topics to blog about, but you could also write about wide variety of products. You could write about hiking gear or sleeping bags or two-story camping tents, whatever it is. And you could end up with hundreds of articles about a hundred different products, right? So It's going to be a little bit different if you're starting a stage one site using Amazon as your primary affiliate program as opposed to some of the older, are they older? Probably not. But some of the marketplaces that people typically think of when they think of affiliate marketing like ClickBank where there's, you know, lots of information products and that sort of thing. There are also private affiliate offers for basically anything. So, Anything you can think of, if you just Google that product plus affiliate program, you're going to find stuff everywhere. So like golf has one, there's going to be affiliate programs for helicopter rides. And the way a lot of people make money um, or the more advanced guys make money is finding super high paying, really obscure affiliate programs and driving traffic to those. But There's actually purposes, a website called the high paying affiliate programs.com. Yeah, it's just a big list. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of lists of these. It, you know, it's not always up to date and I don't blame them. It's pretty hard to maintain. But, you know, if, if you want to look in that kind of stuff, you can go check it out. Yeah, for sure. But the, basically the idea behind looking at affiliate programs while you are planning a site is that you have to understand what opportunities are out there before you start planning content, even if you are going into an Amazon-oriented niche because you need to know if the keywords are out there. You need to know what the competition looks like in Google. You need to know if there are enough products. So one classic example I always like to use is like running, right? So like running clearly is a huge market. There are lots and lots of runners, but it might not be the best niche to get into if you're starting a stage one site with an Amazon affiliate uh, focus because there's basically only one thing you can sell the runners and that's shoes, right? You do have to understand the opportunities that are out there. You have to understand the products you can sell, how much they cost and what the SERPs look like, by we mean the Google results, before you start planning the content for your website. Okay, so assuming we've done that, we're into our paintball niche site or whatever, and we've done all the research, we've found all the opportunities, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, usually the low-hanging fruit is high-buying intent keywords. So usually, you know, a lot of people, they first create content, then they're like, oh, how can I monetize? Oh, I feel marketing. Oh, let's add a bunch of promos inside the content. And that doesn't work very well. And the reason why is because as parents said, you need to first start by finding what you're going to sell, then create a content that sells it, not the other way around. And so usually one thing that works well is, 
in that case of Pinball, definitely I would start with Amazon. It's probably not the highest paying. There probably is higher paying offers out there, but just because Amazon pays for everything as people buy, it's kind of nice. And it's a good way to start and get a feeling for what sells and what doesn't. I would find the different product categories. So as I said, there was like these protection masks. There's these markers. There's the gas bottles, I think, in Pinball. There's grenades. There is whatever, like, you know, chest protection and arm protection and et cetera, et cetera. So I would list all these product categories and I would look at how many people search for best product category and sometimes best product category for something. So like best, best paintball headgear for both people, probably not much search volume, but you know, that gives you an idea. And so because I have the products, I know they exist on Amazon I just find the intent on Google. And usually these kind of keywords are very low competition. So like, you know, best paintball protection gear, best paintball protection mask, best paintball uh, legs protection, best paintball gloves, best, et cetera, et cetera. That is like the easiest, honestly. Additionally, individual product reviews. So like a lot of people that are looking to buy stuff, they will Google for reviews before. So like maybe you have the name, let's say there's like a gun called the Raptor and like say Raptor paintball review, etc. And so creating a short article with at least the specs and maybe like, you know, kind of like curating everything you find on the internet, unless, unless you really want to buy every item, but it's pretty unlikely at the beginning, at least until something you find something works out. Make one nice- thing I just sorry. One thing I just want to say about review, direct reviews is if you're going for one of the bigger affiliate products on, say, like ClickBank, you probably find there's dozens, sometimes hundreds of people that already have reviews out there. So this is probably more applicable for for Amazon. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to do some keyword research, and we're not going to go through keyword research today because otherwise we have another three hours so that is another way to do it and finally one uh, final way that i like to do on stage one authority site because you're going for low-hanging fruits right you're not a strong site when you're beginning at stage one you need to go for these easy stuff is solution oriented stuff so for example in the case of paintball that'd be like uh how to protect your eyes when you play paintball right and the answer is well wear a mask and so then you can say well here's a list of masks that we recommend and people would buy. And it was not a product oriented search, but it is an easy one to, you know, make a product recommendation at the end while also giving value and answering the query. So what you want is you want to find these keywords where essentially it is a question about either a product or a problem that requires a product and put the product in front of people that land on these pages and then do SEO. And we'll talk about SEO in the next episode. So I'm not going to ask probably too much right now. All right. So, I mean, what do they actually look like? How do we go about structuring one of these posts? I'll let Perrin pick that one up. Yeah. yeah. Let me tackle this one. I'm tooting my own horn here. I may have had a hand in sort of the uh, typical structure of these like industry wide. Who knows if I'm that uh, influential, but I like to think I am. <laughs> Here's how we do it. I want to put a disclaimer out there that there are lots of ways to do this. I just recently saw a really cool example that I'm going to share with you after I sort of give you the rundown. But there are also like websites like top10reviews.com and Outdoor Gear Lab who do it much differently than we do, and they have tons and tons of success. The way we do it is based on our resources, right? Um, so... When you're writing 100 articles or 50 articles and you've got 
that number of articles times five products per article, there's just no way to, to buy and review for most of us 250 products, right? So what we like to do is we like to use a big chunk of the article as advice from a well-researched expert's perspective. So we have like a short introduction. We research what the best products are based on whatever criteria is out there. Maybe it's like customer sentiment. Maybe it's what we've learned about how to choose these products. Maybe it's because we own one of the products or because we understand the niche a little bit. Maybe we've watched the expert review, whatever it is. We compile a list of like four or five products. Maybe sometimes it's 10, depending on the article. Then for the bulk of the article, the middle section, it's all advice, like real actual advice on like, hey, if you want to know which paintball mask to buy, here are the things you need to understand about paintball masks. This is not something you need to go buy and test a bunch of paintball masks for. This is something maybe you need to have like a light understanding and then you can do a bunch of research or a writer can do a bunch of research so that you can help your customers be aware of like the features they need, like the safety grade, what type of plastic do you need to be, you know, safer? What do you get for a higher price? What do you get for a lower price? You know, safety hazards, that sort of thing. All of this stuff you can get from research. It adds extreme value for people who are looking to make a buying decision about these products, and it doesn't require you to buy all the products. Then, based on all that research you've done, usually we like to recommend like one or two products that have raving reviews and that seem like they fit this criteria or that we have happened to use themselves, right? So, I know some people are in niches where they don't use the products. The big site that I've developed last year, I was in that niche and I was trying a few of the products, but you really don't need to because your job is to do the research to help that reader know what they need to understand as a consumer. So at the end, we usually do a mini review sort of based on that criteria, but they're not very extensive because we are typically not setting these sites up as places who are hand reviewing each one of these products. Yeah, so, I, I just want to jump in there actually, because I know a lot of people are like, well, how can you really review it if you're not not buying, not testing it yourself? Essentially, what we're doing is we're going out on the internet, finding all of the information about the product, filtering it, applying our expert knowledge, looking at, you know, Amazon reviews, positive and negative, what other bloggers are saying, all that kind of stuff, all the research which an individual looking to buy this product would do themselves anyway. And we're kind of filtering the true and the untrue and kind of making that judgment call and presenting it to them in a really simple, easily digestible way. Right. One of the ways I like to think about that is like car review blogs. So there are maybe five or six big car review sites that really do test drive like every car that comes out. Most car review sites don't do that. What they do is they look at the specs of the new cars. They read about what's been changed. They read what other experts think about the cars. They watch reviews of people who have driven it. And then they write their review based on that because that's what their website does. They review cars, but they don't go buy every car, right? So there are sites that do buy these buy products and review them by hand, but it's not necessary. And you can do the job for your reader of just expert research. So real quick recap of how we like to do it is a short introduction, some sort of group of products up top. Traditionally, or at least after I started doing it, people started putting tables up towards the top, like simple tables for every single review, which is like uh, not big extensive ones, which was or which was started by Spencer Haas when he did his first case study, but tiny ones where 
there's like a star rating, a vague price number, and then like the product name. Lately, we've kind of switched to bullets because we find that they attract just as many clicks and they're easier to outsource, but just a group of product links. And those are your affiliate links. So if you're looking at the article, I've got an introduction and then a group of recommended products that are your affiliate links. The rest, the bulk of the article is a buying guide and then a tiny review of your of the product you think is a good place for them to start looking. Oh, yeah. I was going to share the cool example that we saw that was shared in the Authority Hacker Facebook group. And this guy was appeared to be doing very well based on like traffic and stuff. But he had a, a site, I think, like Coffee Niche, and he would review products. And he set his like best X for Y, his like product roundup pages and, and his review pages up as like sales pages, right? So they looked like a full product sales page with like sections and quotes and like sections for features. So the way we like to do it is not the only way to do it. We just find it's most efficient for what we, or the resources we use. What is the right. website? I can't remember. <laughs> we'll add it to the so show we'll notes then. What's, what's the, the URL? What's the, yeah. show no- what's the URL, Mark? The URL will be authorityhacker.com forward slash affiliate marketing, all one word. Okay. So just to, to go over that again, so you basically the model is that we do the product research at the start, like as just before we're creating this, the site, basically. And the content which we're creating is created kind of from, from the ground up, built with the products in mind. And there's three types of posts that we, we sort of describe the, the roundup posts, which Perry went into detail on, which is, or the best X for Y, what, as, as it's sometimes known, direct review posts or solution-orientated problem posts. So where you're describing the solution to a problem and saying to use a product in order to, to achieve that solution. So is that all we do? We just create a bunch of, or just keep churning out this kind of content? On stage one sites, no, it's not the only thing. Because the thing is, if you want to do well on Google, well, you need links to your site. That is the very basics of SEO. And the thing is, people don't like linking to review posts too much. It's not something that attracts a lot of links. So you kind of need to mix it with high value content and use that. And usually like it's like a guide section on the site or something with a couple of like usually long form pieces of content that addressing pretty popular topics. So usually like one thing that we do differently from the competition is that we actually go for highly competitive keywords for these informational pieces of content. And the reason why is because we reverse engineer the top results in Google, right? That's where we find the people that will link to that content by emailing them, etc. And so usually we go for low competition for these kind of review articles, but we go for high competition for these information articles. We're not really aiming to rank. We're aiming to build a lot of links to our site, to build a domain authority. So the review articles rank. So usually the ratio is going to be something like 75, 80% of the content is going to be commercial, like either roundup review, best X for Y, single product review or solution oriented content. And the around, you know, 20% of the content is going to be these big guides. Usually like the, the, the ratio we take in the authority site system is like we've created something like 40, uh, product oriented type pages and 10 
pages that were, you know, highly valuable content that we can build, you know, 20, 30 links at least to each page. So, you know, when we're done with the link building, there would be like a hundred plus linking root domains to the site. So that is essentially how we break it down. And when you're starting out, how many of these articles in total do you recommend planning out? I like planning at least 50. You don't need to like launch your site with 50 pieces of content, but I like to, you know, have that essentially what I call the V1 of the website, like the, the, the first official version of the website be planned with around 50 pages of content usually. So yeah. Do you recommend outsourcing any of that or doing it yourself? I let Perrin answer that one. Yeah, so if you're just starting to work in a niche, especially if you don't yet know the products and you don't yet know what's important to people who are going to be buying those products, I always recommend that you write like the first 10 yourself. And then if you would rather spend your time marketing, you can outsource the content. It also depends on your skills. When I first started, I was a much better writer than I was a marketer. So I spent more time writing and less time marketing. If you're a better marketer and you're not as great of a writer, you could maybe buy content and spend more of your time marketing. Ideally, you're going to pick up all the skills and you'll be able to do sort of everything and outsource anything. But generally, for a new site builder, for a stage one site, you should probably write the first 10 articles yourself so you can understand the products, you can understand the users, and then see how you feel, you know, outsource it if you think your time will be better spent elsewhere or if you hate writing, but definitely do those first 10 yourself. Yeah, actually, actually, you released a really good post at the end of last year on, you know, essentially becoming a better writer and writing a lot of stuff and content that ranks for in Google. So I recommend you go, you guys go check. It's one of the latest blog posts on the blog that Perrin wrote about ICO copywriting. All right. When it comes to actually outsourcing, are there any sites or resources you guys want to share? Yeah, there's a few that recommend uh, any other site system as well. One of the ones we used a lot and we've done pretty well with very detailed instructions was text broker. It's, we've used that several times and it worked okay. Like obviously you're, because it's like always a random writer picking your work and this you're, you're building a team. There will be times where it's disappointing. If you don't want that, if you want more control over who's doing your stuff, have some kind of an editor working on your stuff, etc then we actually recommend World Agents. It's been pretty good, worldagents.com. We've also worked with them lately and it was pretty good and it was very easy to work with them. They just, they actually follow a lot of the stuff we do. So, you know, because they know how we do stuff and they've been studying, it's much easier to work with them and the editors know our templates, etc. So it's more of like a, a managed service versus text broker is more of the DIY version, let's say. Yeah, another one as well, if you do want to hire your own member of staff to do the writing, you can try Upwork. I've had a lot of success there in the past. Again, you just have to be quite sort of strict with the hiring process. And another really good one for often for like higher quality writers or if you're in a very technical niche or something is um, the jobs.problogger.net. It's about 75 bucks to advertise there, but uh, we've 50 always bucks, get... Yeah. I think this has increased the price actually. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. The the level of quality of writers on there because you know it's a professional blogger site. So 
people who read it are, are pretty pretty good, but also can be a little bit more expensive. So yeah, it's a trade off there. But there's lots of opportunities. But I think you guys are right. Like start writing yourself. It's very difficult to manage someone if you don't know the topic very well. You can't really check and oversee their their content very well. So yeah, get to know the niche. All right, great. We'll be back tomorrow with the next episode, which is about authority site SEO and stage one authority site SEO. Very important. Fun stuff. All right, then thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Ciao. Guys, thanks again for listening to today's Affiliate Marketing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Just a quick reminder that if you guys want more affiliate marketing tips, tricks, methodologies, and all sorts of goodies, please head over to authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar and sign up for the webinars we're running this weekend on Sunday and on Monday. There's various time zones uh, listed there. You can check out all the details. And we're going to be showing you the exact techniques Perrin used to turn $2,000 into an authority site worth $200,000. So plenty of affiliate marketing stuff going on there. If you guys want to learn more, head on over to authorityhacker.com slash webinar, and we hope to see you there. Thanks.